The living come with grassy tread to read the gravestones on the hill. The graveyard draws the living still, but never any more the dead. The verses in it say and say, The ones who living come today to read the stones and go away. Tomorrow dead will come to stay. So sure of death the marbles rhyme, yet can't help marking all the time how no one dead will seem to come. What is it men are shrinking from? It would be easy to be clever and tell the stones men hate to die and have stopped dying now forever. I think they would believe the lie. In a Disused Graveyard by Robert Frost. Welcome. This is Remnants. I'm Emily, and I'm Kayla. We flipped it out this uh, flipped it up this time. Flipped it up. Flipped yeah. It out. How did that go? I don't know. Flipped, flipped it, it around. around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so many conjunct. There's I don't even know there's so many new things happening for us right now. Like okay, <clears throat> so I had to move. We record in my room. I had to move it around because there was ice inside my windows next to where my computer originally was. So we moved it across my room because you all can care and can see it, obviously. <laughs> I'm saying all this to say that now, because I have an L-shaped desk, we are able to record facing each other so I can see Whee! Kayla's beautiful face while we talk. And Which I, is what we've always wanted to do. We, we wanted, wanted to be across from each other so that we can have conversations. Yes, we can like, actually talk instead of just being side by side and then awkwardly like glancing over like, meh. <laughs> 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 um... So yeah, that was it. That was the really um, discombobulated way of explaining our new seating arrangement. And we've got the microphone more stable that Emily's mm-hmm. dad got us. So I thank built you. it wrong. Yeah. Well, we fixed it. Yay! <laughs> like, why does it make so much noise every time you move it? Oh, it's because you didn't secure it right, you idiot. But you know what? We learn more and more with each episode. Mm-hmm. And I got really excited because my dad also sponsored this episode because he got me a really fun coffee maker. So I made me and Kayla little boozy coffees with Kahlua. And I made them so goddamn strong that when she took a drink, she's like, mmm, it's good. <laughs> Spaz. <laughs> I know, so I maybe need to slow down drinking it because I make mm-hmm. sure I don't start slurring, which is really not any different from my normal speech issues, but... I'm trying to finish it while it's still hot because I just imagine it being cold is not going to be good. But then I get like a taste and it's like, (laughs) it's all good. It's all good. Um, Yeah. So today's episode has kind of evolved a lot. We've had this episode in our bank for a while. Um, Originally, it was going to be about a haunted 19th century cemetery in Mm -hmm. St. Joseph, Missouri. And it still is about that. Emily and I have investigated there twice, mm-hmm. but just in our research about this <laughs> cemetery, we've kind of, it's kind of developed into more about urban legend, and there's also a true crime, murder, serial killer, <laughs> aspect that we learned. So this, this area has a lot going for it. It does. Uh, not all of it good. Pretty much none of it is good. All of it bad. <laughs> all of it bad. So we're going to try to get our, I don't know, our joy out early in this episode. That's true. It's just going to get somber from here. It is going to be a heavier episode, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, prepare for that. It might end up being our longest episode to date, too. It might be. For now. It depends on how often you let me talk about murder. 
sometimes I'm like, oh, I Emily can. is excited because she she likes the true crime, and I don't dislike. I just I'm not as into it. To clarify, we don't like murder. Well, no, no, I, no. We, just, <laughs> we like talking about, about murder. Like, well, like all millennial women, we like to listen to true crime true. podcasts. That's what I've been binging all like my holiday break. It's just like, how much true crime can I fit into two weeks? <laughs> how much anxiety am I going to give myself? <laughs> Turns out a lot. Um, well, in in. Uh, in the vein of getting our funnies out early, I have a story time. Ooh, yes. It might it might actually not be funny that that's pending. But Okay. Okay, so <laughs> Kayla and I have joked a while about how I possibly might have brought something back from the Sally house because I've had some weird things happen since going there. Like I I think we talked about this in a Oh, oh, older episode, but I got like this really weird bruise on my leg that looked like a bite mark and I was like Psh. I'm clumsy. I walk into things. It was a really creepy looking bike. It mark. was. And then there was like one time where my kid was looking into his closet and pointing and just going like, like he saw something and he didn't like it. And I was like, Psh, kids do funny things. Um, so this week, um, <laughs> my son is around too for a backstory. Um, this week he was with his grandma and he was chasing my cat around with this little toy hatchet that he got in a fireman costume I got him from Halloween, for Halloween, and he was literally chasing her, going, tap, tap, tap. And I'm like, that's weird. Where did that come from? <laughs> just the tap, tap, tap while swinging a hatchet. Don't love it, but, you know, I thought it was just a silly thing kids do. Um, and then last night, he woke me up around 3. Ooh. Just kind of, mm-hmm, 3. an hour? I didn't realize that until I was in his room initially, because um, I just, you know, I hear him crying. I'm like, okay, I'll go comfort him, get him to settle down and go back to sleep. And I'm in his room, and I'm talking to him. And then he, um, you know, he's sleepy. He's not really fully awake. But he kind of gets quiet, and he looks off a little ways, kind of towards his closet. And he's just quiet for a second. He's like, is that tap, tap, tap? And I'm just like, what? Nobody. Uh. There's no tap, tap, tap. And I'm a little creeped out, because I know it's middle of the night, and, you know, I always had the creepiness with the stuff that's happened in his room occasionally just in the back of my mind um but I don't let myself worry about it too much I just get him to go back to sleep and he seems relaxed and I'm like he's fine nothing's scaring him it's great and then I leave his room and I go look you know at my oven clock as I pass it by and I'm like oh fuck it's like 3 20 like this happened like at three o'clock <laughs> just like why I thought it I thought it was two when it first happened but then when I realized it was three I was like I don't like that Ooh, I don't know. I know. And just like tap, tap, tap. It had to be three. Couldn't be tap, 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 tap. No, it had to be three. And at three o'clock. And he had to use a hatchet. I don't know. <laughs> what do I do? I don't know. We call a priest. That makes it worse. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just kids being kids. I don't know. That's very coincidental, though. Mm. And is it, is it bad? And this just happened this morning. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I shouldn't be talking about it this much, but um, and <laughs> so his closet creeps me out now. I've oh, got yeah. a little like a little child safety lock on it, so Ash can't get in there because I've got a bunch of stuff I need to organize. So I just keep it locked so he can't get in. <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, this will keep the demon from getting out. <laughs> you have an assault ring around his closet. I do. That's what I need to do. I need a salt ring. I get some sage, sage. and dance around. Let's and- let's do that as the next step before we jump to priest. <sighs> Ooh, 
That's I don't what I've know. got going on. Well, that is... Uh, it's kind of like a Babadook situation a little bit. Yeah. Because what's he... He goes, the doop, doop, doop. Yeah, it like, doesn't really have a name. It's the... It's, it's the, the tap, 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 tap. Oh, my God. I gotta write the scariest story about that. <laughs> you are. You should. So I'm gonna cope. <laughs> Monetize your drama. <laughs> I was, like, partially excited because I knew kids do this, where they, like, do something really creepy, and you're like, I don't like that, mm-hmm. but it's just you being weird and perceiving the world in a weird way. Hopefully. But you have... Uh, I don't know. I don't want to creep you out more. You have had multiple things happen, but also... And then the baby monitor being a little bit creepy. Mm. It's fine. It's fine. All is fine. I, I'm fine. You can always come say, stay at Casa Kayla anytime. Yeah, I like Kayla. It's God. Damn. Although I sleep so soundly. The Lord knows what's going on at my house. Once I'm asleep, it's probably the same thing. The demon's probably like, how am I supposed to scare this bitch? <laughs> I've been trying to wake her up for hours. She won't wake She's up. She's just snoring away. <laughs> I did hear something over the baby monitor once, and I was like, nah. That's time to go back to sleep. <laughs> and Ash wasn't in his room at the time, so it wasn't like I knew it wasn't him. But... And you do, to be fair, you do live in an apartment, so some of it could just be noises I, I from neighbors. My next plan, if something gets creepy, I'm going to do like what they did in The Mummy and just be like, ah, take the cat! I'm going to scare away the thing with like, my cat. That's my plan. Yeah. This place is cursed. Yeah. This is cursed. <laughs> I'm going to leave that, I don't know, do you have to like give anything to apartment complexes when you move out, like report damage? I'm like, I got a demon in, in the closet. Yeah. Later. <laughs> Peace out. <laughs> Anyways, that's uh, that's my story. Well, your apartment might be more haunted than the cemetery that I'm going to talk about. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> That'll be, give it a couple months and we'll do an episode on my apartment. <laughs> we'll update you guys. <laughs> Although we don't, this is actually a thought I've always had. You know, all these ghost shows that come in. Basically, they stir up trouble, and then they're like, peace out. Peace. So I've always thought about that, especially, like, Ghost Adventures in their later seasons. They do a lot of houses, and they're like, yeah, we're going to come in and fix it. And I'm like, you don't freaking fix it. You just go in and stir up trouble, and then you're like, peace out. So anyways, I wouldn't want to do an episode on your apartment while you're living here because it's true. we yeah. might just stir shit up, and then it's worse. Yeah, no, I don't want to do that. Like, talk, like retelling what happens is the amount of... Um, What's the word? It's the amount of attention I want to give what may or may not be happening. Yeah. Like, and that's it. Bye. Now I'm going to go back to denying that anything ever happened. Denial just, is great. I'm just making it a funny story. <laughs> I'm going to get, like, another giant bruise on my arm, and I'll be like, ha, look at that. Funny. <laughs> I don't know. If, so, if you ever feel comfortable sharing that picture, it is pretty crazy. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe If in we time. get any Patreon subscribers, then you can see a picture of my bruised leg. It is pretty. <laughs> it is. A, I can't explain. Because I remember trying to be like, is it a it spider bite? It looks like bite marks. It but looks, it's very strange. Yeah. Like, it's literally like a big blob with little smaller blobs connected to it. It looks like teeth. Yeah. It's super creepy. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's whatever. But that happened after Pithy... No, um... Glore. Glore. And I was sitting on that dirty floor. Mm. So it was a dirty floor bruise. I mean, it might... It just might be a, your leg that just bruised weird. was punched by a mouse. Yeah, maybe your leg just bruised weird. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's mm-hmm. what we're going with. Anyways. Anyways. Oh, that was all Kahlua. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so good at this. <laughs> we are professional podcasters and coffee makers. Baristas. I do some things good, I swear. Just none of these. 
Um, so I guess we'll get into it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So this haunted cemetery is locally known as Felix's Grave, and it is in St. Joseph, Missouri. Um, it is actually in the Sunbridge Hills Conservation Area. So it's kind of not funny, haha, but it's like this nature place and there's this trail and it's like this dense woods that sits on the bluffs that overlooks the Missouri River. And then there's just this little <laughs> abandoned cemetery just literally like right off the trail, like you know, a few steps. When Kayla took me, like she said, we went twice and the first time we went was in the summer, blazing hot, full of bugs. Ugh. And I'm like, where the fuck are you taking me, Kayla? <laughs> she takes me to the weirdest places and she's like, I swear, I know where this is. I know. <laughs> then we're lost for like an hour trying to find it. And then we get here and we have to hike. And she, it's, it's Missouri in the summer. Yeah, we really need to stop hiking. Because I did get a tick on my arm and I freaked out. She was wearing leggings that had tick-sized <laughs> holes in them. Millions of tick-sized holes. And she was like, shit. I am an idiot. <laughs> It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we... Well, so Ty... Uh, I'm probably getting ahead of myself. This episode, I hope, is not too chaotic because there's just a lot we want to talk about. But we tried to keep on hiking. So the cemetery is, is not too far from the parking lot, maybe half quarter of a mile. So it's not too far. But if you continue on, supposedly is where you can find these caves where satanic stuff happened in the 80s. And I have yet to make it far enough to these caves. I have tried numerous times, and I don't know if I just can't find them. But anyways, that was part of Emily and I were, like, trying to hike further. And I, I don't know. I was, like, I panicked. I was, like, nope, it's too, it's too buggy. Nope, nope. Yeah, it was. And then we, we went to this other, what, what's the park called that we went to? Oh, Krug Park. That place is creepy. But then she found the tick on her arm there and then we spent like 20 minutes trying to find this tick that fell off into her car oh you sprayed it with like an entire can of off well i think the off <laughs> this is like a promotion for off it works really well because i had sprayed before we went hiking i had sprayed like my entire body i'm like well if i get cancer at least i won't have a tick bite <laughs> true i mean if you're to pick one thing and that tick it literally like fell off my it arm did. it was like <laughs> it like slid off my arm so i think it with the off works but then it fell into my car and it was still alive and like it was like so slowly then, crawling. Just, uh, so uh, then we were like freaking out. I was like, oh my God, where is it in my car? It's probably, for a little, it's probably still in my car. I mean, it's dead by now, a little I'm sure. Tick corpse. Anyways. <laughs> just, I forgot about that. It just like reappeared that whole scene of just, shh. <laughs> we got back to your parents. Just a fog like of us. Yeah. <laughs> People, you, you got us both sick that day. Yeah. But you know, yeah, that tick had it coming. Yeah, <laughs> it did. Then the, So then we went back in November and it was... No, December. Yeah, December. December. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so cold. We didn't last very long. So I, we're, we haven't found the perfect time to investigate mm -hmm. outdoor. We either go in the dead of summer or it's really cold. And so then all of our EVP recordings is just... Yeah, lots of swearing and just like, we done yet? Yeah, and my heavy breathing because it's so freaking cold. Like I said, it goes, no, it's just me. It's just me. Again. <laughs> yeah, so that that's how that went anyways we are woo. sorry no no it's me too a lot of sugar and <laughs> sugar and galua and caffeine it's a great mix <laughs> so felix's grave so those of you listening or people that grew up in st joseph missouri 
it was a big teenage hangout in the 70s and 80s. And that's how I heard about it because my mom used to go there in high school. And she took my dad one time and I don't, he didn't even make it very far. He was like, nope, not about that. Um, so, of course, you know, they'd go in the middle of the night and, you know, there's stories of people feeling touched or they'd have fingerprints on their cars and, you know, but also it's really creepy to go somewhere, especially a cemetery in the middle of the night. Right. Um, Especially because didn't they already know all the like the legends about it at the time? Like those existed simultaneously, right? Well, yes, I think they probably came out because of all the hanging out in the 70s and 80s. And that kind of backs into then the satanic panic that happened in the 80s, which we'll talk about later. But um, so, yeah, the cemetery, it just... Now that I've I've actually been three times in my life, um, <laughs> braggart. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I I'm not sure how haunted it is. I think it's more grown out of urban legends and just you know teens being there and partying and sort of scary stuff is happening. But when I went in 2012, I did capture a weird sound that the group I was with we did not hear at the time, and it's pretty loud. Hey, what? We'll leave you up here. We'll be back in a few hours. Okay. Like like they do with Zach. So I don't know. That's a really weird sound. It kind of. I mean, maybe it's just an animal, but it's kind of also. I don't know. It's a creepy sound. It's interesting that you guys didn't hear it at the time, which maybe it was lost when you were just talking back and forth and you just didn't notice. Right. Because, you know, it it was, we were there in November, so, like, sounds we've learned can really carry when the trees don't have leaves. So, but it's, it's really loud on the digital recorder, so it's just kind of amazing that none of us heard it, but. Yeah. And we did, I don't feel like it's quite as good, but when we went the first time, um, we were recording, trying to catch EVPs there as well, and we did get an interesting, like, bell sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really feel like it's compelling enough to really include in yeah. the podcast, but it was interesting, because... Maybe t- we'll make it part of our Patreon content. Yeah, but. bruises and bells. <laughs> um, but yeah, it didn't really sound like a bird or anything, it was just this weird sound. But then again, like you said, like, is it just stuff carrying from the city? Because when we went in December, we could hear trucks backing up and things mm-hmm. that were happening in the city. Miles away. Yeah, so it could be anything. Yeah. But I think, I just thought it was compelling enough to share. Um, I don't know, it was just a weird, very loud noise. And I don't know if there's any uh, zoologists out there and you're like, oh, that's totally a such and shut animal, then maybe it's, maybe it's a Bigfoot. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you got Bigfoot, and they sound a bit like like little little sheep or something. Right? Yeah. The <laughs> I don't know. Imagine if that's how Bigfoot sounded. <laughs> um, so I guess I can go into some of the urban legends about Felix's grave before I get into then the actual history about it. And actually, in my research, I think we know finally know who Felix is. Um, But I had come across a Facebook post that shared text from the Missouri Western State University College paper. So that's like the local St. Joe um, University. Um, It was the Griffin News Halloween edition from October 1998. Um, The article included several urban legends gathered from locals. Um, But of course, none of these can be verified true or false. 
the definition of urban legend. Disclaimer. Um, the article states that one story is that um, a man with the last name of Felix killed his entire family. Hot. He allegedly murdered and buried them in the woods. He then called the police to his house, shot himself, and left a detailed note of what he had done. And then, according to this version, the last family member he killed was a baby, and the child's cries can still be heard in the night coming from the hills. So, I don't know. Maybe that's what I captured. I didn't hear that story. That one's yeah. terrifying. And I'm like, what a detailed, awful story. That is story. very detailed for... I, mean, I guess that's how it goes. Like, there could have been that creepy house, and they're like, ah, that's, that's his mm-hmm. house. That felt very Amityville Horror-esque. Another story on Felix's identity was that he was killed in an accident while driving to his home along the River Bluffs late one night. His car was found in a ditch alongside the road, but his body was never found. His wife had a memorial erected at the site, and legend says that on a clear night when the moon is full, you can see the glowing marker floating among the trees. (laughs) Sorry, that one's funny. Yeah. Just like, oh. (laughs) And my mom says, like, when they went... You know, in the 80s, um, there was there was always a legend. Cause, so I guess the headstone, it was stolen sometime in the 80s. But my mom's recollection is that all it said Felix in 99 years was all the headstone said. So there was like, was it a cat? Was it a man? 99-year-old cat. <laughs> like, you know, just how urban legends grow. And so... I still like the cat one myself. Yeah. I like the idea. Well, maybe they converted it to, like, you know, human years. <laughs> like, he would have been 99 years old, but he was 17. Yeah. Um, but, so it's kind of, if you go there now, you're not going to find a grave that's named Felix, but that's locally what it's known. Um, it was originally known as the Worth Wine Lilliger Cemetery. And it's actually, I can see why the, fam- the Lilliger family chose that as their resting place because it's it's very beautiful it is um sadly the cemetery is pretty damaged and not taken care of so sorry not taken care of nowadays but it like overlooks the missouri river and it's it's very pretty um it's a beautiful spot and the graves all date from the late 1800s to the early 1920s and according to city records joseph lilliger who was the patriarch Um, was a farmer in Buchanan County who immigrated to the United States in 1853 from Germany and settled in St. Joseph in 1858. He married a woman named Elizabeth Worthwine, and, you know, this was their family plot. So, like I said, so most of the graves there are, they bear the name Lilliger or Worthwine. So you will not find a Felix name, and... So when I was doing my research, I came across a um, find the find your grave or find a grave yeah. website, and there. So really, someone else did the research. I didn't, but <laughs> I found it, and I'm going to share it. Um, that the answer to who Felix is is not lost to time forever. So according to this find a grave and the attached newspaper articles, and there's even a death certificate. Wow. His full name was Felix Eberla, Eberla, E-B-E-R-L-A. L-A? E-B-E-R-L-A. Can you say he was a German? Yeah, he was German. Eberla. I don't know. We'll have to ask somebody who might have better, better, anybody who has any idea of German pronunciation, how would that be pronounced? pronounced. I would say Eberla, but I doubt I, that's it. Yeah. 
Um, he was born in, now I'm going to butcher another name, Baden, Baden, Germany, on January 14th, 1847. And he died in St. Joseph, Missouri on September 2nd, 1946. That means he died at the age of 99 years old. Um, the article said, the newspaper article says he died at St. Joseph's Hospital after falling down a flight of stairs in his home at the age of 99. That's very sad. He lived at 407 and a half Edmond, and his neighbor was Rachel Lilliger Ringer. He never married, had no children, and no relatives. Um, so, but perhaps because his neighbor was a Lilliger, maybe he was friends with them and so with the Lilliger family, and they were like, well, since he has no one, we'll just bury him in our family plot. That's kind of my Which makes sense. assumption, especially back then. Um, like communities were very close knit like he was german the lilligers were german like they would have probably gone to the same church and been in the same community so he might especially living to be 99 years old right he might have just been a long close family friend of the lilligers makes a lot of sense and there was another picture that was posted on find a grave which it's like i guess there's no way to you know know for sure if it was him but in quote it says uncle frank in quotes 1926 Aww. So maybe or Uncle Felix Frank. Oh my God, Uncle I was Felix. Like, I was like, that must be his nickname. <laughs> Uncle, that's why I need to look at my notes. Uncle <laughs> Felix. Oh, Uncle Frank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had a nickname, Uncle Felix, in nineteen twenty six. So maybe they kind of thought of him as a you know that's sort of really uncle. Um, Does seem very plausible. So I think it seems very yeah. plausible that. More than a 99-year-old cat, at the very yes, least. Yes, or these crazy stories of a someone who murders their whole family. and Yeah. Oof. But, um, so yeah, I think the identity of Felix's grave is probably this Felix Eberle. Yeah. Um, who seemed to know the Lilligers, and that's why... And that also makes sense why his gravestone would have just said Felix and, like, his age, because they wouldn't have paid money... Uh, for more like, than that, I'm gonna get you a plot, but you're just getting the first name on your <laughs> yeah. Sorry, bud. Don't bud. <laughs> just be happy we didn't say Frank. Yeah, yeah. At least we spelled your name. I mean, you think they could have at least included a last name? <laughs> yeah, they're like nah, nah. Felix is good. God, <laughs> poor, poor Frank. Felix. <laughs> I know. Now I'm gonna get you. It's <laughs> re- renaming oh. this place Frank's grave. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But oh, and also in my research, I also found this a newspaper article. So, what could kind of go along with the urban legend, or maybe why the cemetery is haunted? In 1980, Elizabeth Lilliger's grave was robbed, and a liner and mattress from the casket were recovered. But according to the St. Joseph News Press, investigators never found Elizabeth's remains. And there was a lot of speculation about the incident, ranging from just adolescent vandals to, you know, that satanic cult, um, but nothing came of the police investigation. So, I don't know, a disturbed, desecrated grave is a recipe for... Which, that cemetery is just so poorly maintained, and with all the stories surrounding it, like, I feel like the city not really maintaining it in any way and just leaving it there Mm -hmm. and then all of these legends existing is just inviting people to desecrate that spot because yep. I mean even when we went last there were there were like remnants <laughs> remnants <laughs> of like melted wax on top of some of the gravestones so it was mm-hmm. very clear people have been there and no matter what they were doing it likely was just innocent but still people are there because it's just people love creepy things like that especially to go do 
nefarious teenage things at night with candles. And especially, candles. <laughs> like, in a smaller town. I mean, St. Right. Joe's not super tiny, but it's, like, 80,000 people. But it's like, I don't know, what do you do on a Saturday night? Yeah. <laughs> That's free. Go get crazy at this tiny little yeah. cemetery. But it is kind of sad. So, I mean, when my parents went in the 70s and 80s, that wasn't part of the city. It was just, well, I guess it was probably city-owned. But, like, now it's a part of a conservation area park. So I kind of wish the park would clean it up a little bit. Uh, but, like, back then, it was just anyone could drive up, and it wasn't really, it was just land. Um, yeah. I wish they would, God, I mean, like, the gate isn't even a real gate. Like, it, it, must, be, it must be the original or close to it because it's just decaying and... There's no lock or anything, so... And most of the headstones are pushed off the base. Right, like, it's really sad. It is, yeah. And you go there, and you're there, because, yeah, it's spooky. It's there for the thrill of it, but then it does feel a little disrespectful, just knowing, like, it's just so poorly tended to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. I feel like it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it's just crazy, the urban legend that's grown, especially now that the Felix headstone is gone. You know, it's known as Felix's grave but there's no Felix headstone and mm-hmm. oh there's also this story that in that cemetery there's a witch buried <laughs> under a tree and her sister who was also a witch was buried at another cemetery under a tree yeah. across town and wasn't it like she was hung from the tree and yes. they buried her under it yeah which is just like the <laughs> biggest stereotypical urban legend ever like ah oh, the town witch we hung her and buried her and if you if a virgin white lights the black flame candle on Halloween, she'll be resurrected. <laughs> yeah, and her sister across town. You must do it at the same time. <laughs> yes, exactly at the same time. Oh, my God, we should do it. Yeah. Oh, well, I, yeah, I guess I got to do some digging into the urban legend files work because I don't know what other cemetery the other witch is buried at, you know. but We're just going to have to. That'll be our first live event. Yeah. <laughs> We're lighting these candles at the same time at a tree that may or may not be on top of a dead witch. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to volunteer? <laughs> Everybody, just go to every tree in St. Joseph that's by a cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get it right. We'll get it right one of these days. <laughs> um, oh my God. So, yeah, that's Felix's grave. I mean, I've just grown up. It's such a, you know, my family's all from St. Joe. Um, and so I, it's kind of like a second hometown to me and just heard of this place for so long and I've now been a few times and I don't know I I, I wanted to talk about it especially because that's one of the cool things Emily and, I, Emily and I wanted to do about focusing on the Midwest is we can find these little local stories that aren't on the internet mm-hmm. um, and and it spread spread the <laughs> Spread the falseness. <laughs> I think they're interesting yeah. in like Midwest towns, especially, which I think it's probably the same in any small town. That's where you can still have things like little local legends and stuff. Like I don't mm-hmm. feel like Kansas City's too big for those now. Like yeah. you don't have, you know, the big fish style stories that just grow from mm-hmm. what they start as, which I think they're fun. Like yeah, it's which I do feel like is a lot of what it is with Felix's grave. Like it's just a story that is being maintained and I think that's cool so we're just gonna mm-hmm. keep spreading it we're just gonna yeah but it is cool that there are I mean I don't know cool is the right word but there are some facts to the story like there's some newspaper articles about like Elizabeth right grave being dug up and that was a police investigation there was a newspaper article and you know so there is some truth to some of this stuff and um you know also during this time period when Felix's grave was really being partied at. 
it's the satanic panic. Mm-hmm. And um, I think Emily's going to talk more about that. Um, but that kind of go. There's some articles too. There about there. There's these caves underneath Felix's grave along the Missouri River, and there was people, you know, doing cult stuff. <laughs> we're, we're here. We're here, here for, for the, the cult, cult stuff. stuff. <laughs> Had to. Um, didn't you find some like? Sp- you found an article. It wasn't specifically like these people did it and they were apprehended. It was like, yeah, it's from the Associated Press. It says report of satanic rituals investigated. The discovery of an open grave. So that's what I was talking about. And a report from a jogger who witnessed a satanic ritual in caves along the Missouri River has triggered an investigation by authorities. The Buchanan County Sheriff's Office inspected the multi-room cave Friday and said there were crosses painted in white and the word Sabbath appeared in black on the walls of the main room. Officers said they found what appeared to be a ritual altar fashioned out of bed springs. Samples of ashes found below the bed spring were collected for laboratory tests. Investigators said a boy who had been jogging in the area earlier reported seeing a small group of people wearing dingy sheets <laughs> Same. <laughs> conducting a ritual in the cave, which is located on the River Bluffs north of St. Joseph. They said the boy, whose identity was not released, was frightened by the ritual. An open grave was found nearby late last month in a private cemetery. It was believed to have held the remains of a person buried in 1858. Sergeant Harold Smith said his department has been alerted by police in San Francisco about traveling satanic cults, which practice animal mutilations and ritualistic homicides. He said the groups reportedly travel in bands of 10 to 15 people. Oh, my God. (laughs) Smith said the cave where markings were found has two openings and consists of four large rooms and several small rooms. He said anyone using the cave would be virtually isolated. No one on the road could see or hear any activity in the cave. It's just lucky that this boy jogger was in the area and investigated, Smith said. And there was, my dad, I think, told me or one of my parents that that they closed off the cave shortly after. And I'm still, they might still be closed off. That's why I can't freaking find them. (laughs) They don't necessarily sound like they'd be safe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They sound like very cults aside Riverside Bluff caves that have multiple rooms, probably mm-hmm. just not great. And like this article pointed out, they would be pretty isolated because it's along the river and yeah. you don't have boats really going down the Missouri yeah. River. So and we'll talk a little bit later about what can happen when you've got isolated places like that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we were talking a little bit earlier about the satanic panic and you were talking about how it kind of started up when they were more like reports of child molestation and abuse and all of that. And I didn't really realize that it kind of came out, came about as a response to that because people didn't think that normal people were capable of that, which just obvious. It's just not true, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. It's happened a long time and it's still happening. And it is. We are still trying to explain the people that are capable of doing that because we don't want to just accept that it's just people you think are normal that do that. It's awful things. So then the satanic panic comes about as sort of like. A Almost. response? Yeah, a response, and then it's like a witch hunt to point out the people that you feel like should be responsible for it. Like, obviously, they're Satan worship it, worshipers, or they they play Dungeons and Dragons, and that mm-hmm. summons demons, or just all of these things, when that's just not true. Mm-hmm. And, hell, even some Satan worship, worshipers... I can't talk. Even some Satan worshipers, which do exist, they're not bad people. It's yeah. just um, kind of a religion, kind of just a lifestyle. So just... Mm-hmm. It's an interesting reaction to a real-life phenomena that's putting the blame elsewhere. 
Yeah, Which and they just couldn't fathom that. Right. They must be Satan worshippers. Like, they have to be. They have to be horrible, evil villains that worship the devil and sacrifice cats in caves mm-hmm. and wear pointy hats. Yeah, and that doesn't mean that there weren't small groups no. doing this stuff, but the large scale that they claimed yeah. the satanic worshipping... The, no. ro- the roaming bands of roaming 10 to 15 bands, yeah, no. Which there were ritualistic killings. Like, they did happen, just not quite as largely as were, was being reported at this time. Like, to the point where it would be plaguing every single small town. Right. Um, There's a really great, one of my favorite podcasts is called You're Wrong About. And I think it's actually their very first episode is on the Satanic Panic. And it is a really great listen if you want to learn more about what was going on during that time. Um, just a little shout out, but yeah, yeah. I always do find it interesting because, especially, and we'll get into true crime a little bit, but the Satanic Panic had a big influence on a lot of cases during the '70s and '80s and even the '90s. Like the West Memphis Three is one of the main yep. ones where, largely, that is why those three were convicted originally is because they were goth kids. They were kind of weird. They didn't fit into their small town, so they thought obviously they had to be the people who did this. And then they were imprisoned for a very long time because yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, and that happens a lot. Like, they just pick the person that seems to fit the bill. Mm-hmm. But we find out that the person that seems to fit the bill is not as scary as you'd think. On right. The first we're just, oh, they listen to Metallica. They must be. <laughs> right. Like, they have to be this horrible person. So... Well, I'm not saying that cults didn't roam the bluffs of the Sunbridge Conservation Area. Um, I am saying that I believe these stories are largely part of the local mythos, we'll mm-hmm. say, that was built around the area. You know, from stories of a witch being hung and buried under a tree outside of the cemetery to tales of ghostly hands pressing against cars while frightened teens cower inside. I have to wonder if these stories are just that. Stories. Yeah. yeah. Like, just fun things to share. Um, so we're going to step away from those stories because there was actually a true monster that roamed, um, that area and he's not a nice guy at all. So Charles Ray Hatcher was born on July 16th, 1929 in Mound City, Missouri. I won't go into massive detail into his life and, or his crimes, cause we'll find out later why we just don't want to go into specific detail about them, but yeah. Um, I will explain how he eventually earned the moniker Crazy Charlie. I really don't like this guy. So Charles was the youngest of four children. His father was known to be an ex-convict and an alcoholic. When he was six, Charles and his older brother Arthur Allen were out flying a kite they'd made with a copper wire they found in an old Model T Ford. (sighs) Arthur Allen was was passing the kite to Charles when the wind pulled the wire into a high-voltage power line. Mm. Uh, Charles watched as his brother got electrocuted to death, an event that likely led the young man to experience significant mental trauma that may have influenced his behavior down the road. Which obviously does not forgive any of it, but we will learn that he had a lot wrong uh, psychologically, and that seeing a sibling die especially can lead to significant trauma and if it was never addressed and things don't get better for him from there on but um if it was never addressed who knows what that could have amplified if it was already Mm. even just there just a little bit yeah so shortly after arthur's death charles's parents divorced 
Charles stayed with his mother, and that started them down a path that led to multiple stepfathers and an eventual move to St. Joseph, Missouri in 1945. Mm. And I will say I find it very interesting, and, you know, this timeline goes on as we continue talking about Charles, but I do find it interesting how this timeline coincides with the timeline of stories about Felix's grave and when, like, your parents would have been hanging out in this area and everything. It's just... It does all actually coincide very closely, which is a little alarming. Yeah, when you think about yeah. them being there in the middle of the night. And, <clears throat> yeah. So I'm going to st- switch to calling Charles Hatcher now. Um, I just feel like that's more fitting to kind of who he becomes. Like, I almost feel like he doesn't deserve a first name anymore. Just yeah. Because like, well, no, he's, just... he's such a monster. Yeah. And he doesn't even go straight to being the monster, which almost makes it worse. Because mm. there were a lot of times that this could have, things could have been avoided, I think. Um, so Hatcher's crime started soon after the move. He started small, auto theft and fraud, just basic, like, bad checks almost, just, like, nothing too yeah. major. Obviously car theft, but, you know. Still not harming people. Right, not <laughs> harming people yet. Which is interesting because that's not the normal escalation that they usually see with murderers. Usually it's going straight to, like, harming animals or right. like even, like, setting fires and things like that. It's not usually just, like, petty crime. That's, yeah. But I did hear somebody, I was listening to a podcast kind of about him uh, while I was making my notes. And while it's not necessarily psychologically what people tend to look for when, like, seeing what might have triggered somebody to start committing crimes against other people um if you get away with something long enough you start building a confidence that Mm. i got away with this i can get away with whatever i want to get away with murder yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay so the auto theft and fraud saw him in and out of jail six times between 1945 and 1959 six times just in and out so you can see how this could start a trend for somebody where you're like well i've done this i know what happens why should i stop like, right. it's not a big deal. I can get out of jail again. I've done it before six times. Yeah. So the nature of Hatcher's crimes then escalated after this period. Um, he was 30 when he attacked his first victim. Mm-hmm. 16-year-old newspaper boy Stephen Pelham uh, was Hatcher's first actual victim. Um, Hatcher attempted to abduct Stephen while threatening him with a butcher knife. Luckily, he failed and was later arrested after being stopped in a stolen vehicle. So this was his first victim. It was an attempt, and it failed. But this did not dissuade him from future attempts, unfortunately. Or keep him from being incarcerated. (laughs) Correct. Hatcher went back to the Missouri State Penitentiary for a five-year sentence. It was while incarcerated that Hatcher committed his first murder. Oh, in prison? Yeah, in prison. Uh, on July 2nd, 1961, an inmate named Jerry, Jerry Therrington was found dead in the prison's kitchen. He had been raped and stabbed. So there was never enough evidence to truly convict Hatcher uh, for the crime. However, all circumstantial evidence pointed to, at him being the true stu- like the actual suspect and the guy mm-hmm. who did it. Um, and there was something about he was the only person mi- missing from his kitchen trip that day. And just mm. everything fell into place for like it had to be him. But... Yeah. Obviously, at the time, they couldn't get DNA DNA evidence or anything to yeah, specifically. Yeah, Just the amount of things people used to be able to get away with just, like, 30 years ago. Even less than that. It's amazing. It's just, like, 
Yeah. But anyways, yeah, he was arrested after a failed murder attempt, and then he succeeded in prison. Um, Hatcher was sent to solitary confinement for the murder, and while he was there, he wrote a letter requesting psychiatric help. He requested it. It was denied. Because they thought he was faking. Hmm. Which he might have been. We'll find later he does exaggerate things, but I wonder... Was he asking for help at that time? And could things have been... Could they have been stopped? Because what was, what was he really going to get for proving that he was insane at that time? Because he was released on August 24th, 1963, after serving a reduced sentence. So he wasn't really at any risk of anything worse right. happening. Like, maybe he literally wanted help. Because he does later say that he was hearing voices and all of this and everybody said he was exaggerating and you know the adult onset schizophrenia and so he said he, he started at 30 like a yeah. lot of times that's when like adult onset schizophrenia starts is in your late 20s yeah. or 30s which i like truly believe that <clears throat> he could have been playing up a lot of things he does see a lot of psychiatrists he does get help we'll say but they they failed in a lot of ways with this yeah. person and, like, I feel like it would have been, it would have been interesting to see what had happened if he'd actually gotten help at that time. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe he was faking all of it, and maybe he thought he was going to get the death sentence for committing that murder and that rape. But mm-hmm. he had a reduced sentence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it was, like, the opposite of what happened. And That's like, obviously, insane. they couldn't actually prove it, Ugh. so he wasn't found guilty for killing that man. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But it was kind of one of those things where, like, everybody knows. They just can't prove it enough to right. convict him for it. So, Hatcher, after his release, moved to California, where he lived under the alias of Albert Price. Because that's something you could do back then. You could just move and be a new person, and nobody knows what you <laughs> did. Yeah. And you can't really trace them. That would be, like, impossible now to maintain. Yeah, you could not go. <laughs> not so. easily. So while, uh, while Hatcher was in California, he committed two crimes. He abducted and murdered a 12-year-old boy by the name of William Freeman in Antioch, California in 1969. So that is, what, six years after he's re- released? Mm-hmm. He commits his first, at least, child, first child murder that we know of. Um, after that, he abducted and assaulted a six-year-old named Gilbert Martinez in San Francisco, also in 1969. Um, Gilbert did survive this attack, but this was the attack that got Hatcher, at the time, going by Albert Price, arrested once more. Starting in 1970, he was sent back and forth between the courts and, um, he was sent back and forth between courts and kind of different mental hospitals, mm. trying to figure out, like, where, would, where do we put this guy? What's happening? Right. He was diagnosed with passive-aggressive personality disorder, paraphilia, and pedophilia. The hospital staff believed that Hatcher was fabricate, fabricating and exaggerating his mental illnesses to avoid a more severe sentencing. Which is a very common... that Everybody... Yeah, it happens a lot. We see sure. that all the time. Um, but but also, he's also murdering people, so Right, I don't like, know. clearly, like, something is wrong with murdering, this man. Not murdering people, freaking murdering children. children. Yeah. And molesting them. Ugh. Like... He's clearly messed up. Yeah. And, like, 
this is not the first time. Like, even if he is exaggerating, what harm is there in saying, yeah, he is insane. Maybe he does just need mental health and to help and to stay away from the general public. But yeah. But of course, that would make too much sense. Um, he was seen by two psychiatrists during this time, and they both actually did declare him insane and, unfortunately, in addition to that, incompetent to stand trial. Mm. He did plead not guilty by reason of insanity in 1971. Um, then he escaped a mental hospital a month later, um, and he was on the run for a whole week. And he had a new alias. This time, he was Richard Lee Grady. But he was caught, luckily, um, in a stolen car. So he got a week out. Knows what he did. Right. A trend with him in particular, which is very common, his crimes come in little bursts. Yeah. Like, he'll... I was listening to a podcast. um, I can't remember the name right now, but I was listening to a podcast, and they kind of... It, they they almost described it like he couldn't fight off his impulses anymore. Mm. And then it just happens, and he has a burst of crimes, and then five years pass. He doesn't do anything. Mm. And then he does it again. Um, so it's very possible in this time when he's in, on the run, he didn't do anything. Yeah. But also, we'll find later that he um, confesses to more murders than are no. proven. Mm. Like, and more than can be substantiated. So... Who knows? He could have done that, or either way, he escaped and was free for a week before he was arrested once more. Is this in California still? He's still in California. In 1972, Hatcher was transferred transferred to San Quentin State Prison, where he was set to stand trial. He had two final psychological examinations. Both determined him sane and competent to stand trial. And not Mm. only that, they determined that he was sane at the time that he committed his crimes. Mm. I don't know Uh, what changed. I don't don't know, but people just have a hard time with this guy. And who knows? He has so many um, aliases that he goes by. Maybe he's just really good at covering, covering, being what he has to be to get what he wants. Yeah. It... It's very frustrating, though. Um, so he was convicted for the abduction and molestation of Gilbert Martinez in 1972. He was declared a mentally disordered sexual offender and a manipulative institutionalized sociopath by psychological and legal professionals. And, despite all of this, Hatcher was released once more again in 1977. Why? I don't know! So he was returned to St. Joseph, Missouri shortly after his release. In 1978, four-year-old Eric Christian was kidnapped from the mall after his babysitter left him alone for a handful of minutes. Eric's body was later found alongside the nearby Missouri River. Which, from what I've read, I do believe it's along those bluffs that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, so within miles of Felix's grave. Mm -hmm, Because it's just such a big... Remote. Mm -hmm. Area. So, this killing led to the false accusation and forced confession of 20-year-old, 25-year-old Melvin Reynolds. Um, and what I read about Melvin, they said he was of limited intelli- intelligence. I don't know mm-hmm. if he had um, any sort of... I don't know if he had any handicap or anything like that. But they wanted yeah. him to convince Brian. Yeah, they wore him down. I think mm-hmm. I read some article that he basically just went, what do you want me to say? They gave him what they call true serum. Mm-hmm. Um 
Yeah, he said, just tell me what you want me to say and I'll say it at this point because I think they interrogated him for 14 hours. Right. Solely because, you know, he was, he had whatever mental... He was just a little off. He was a little off and they reported that he had, and this is in quotes, he had like, I think it was homosexual episodes in his past. So they thought, surely he did this then because obviously with it (laughs) being... With it being um, Hatcher that committed this crime, obviously Eric was molested before he was killed. Mm-hmm. So they blamed this man who, whatever a gay episode is, maybe he touched another boy's shoulder. Who knows? But well, I think an article I read, too, it's like just none of the stuff added up. Like, they were, he would be like, where did you take him from? And he would like, I mean, this Melvin guy, he didn't, he they was clearly, he did it. They just. And that's literally what they did in West Memphis 3. They picked the weakest the weakest link, and again, more quotes, but it was kind of a similar situation where they wore him down, and then they forced him to believe something that didn't Even happen. Even though there was zero evidence yeah, that just, he did it. And it's just... Ugh. But, you know, it's, it's all fun. But it's fine. a terrible crime. You know, it was this four-year-old boy in right. the, the city that people wanted someone. To. They want someone... They get someone if they just tried a little bit harder, but instead they took, what was it, four years of Melvin's life away. So Melvin Reynolds ended up being in prison for four years for this. He was released after Hatcher finally confessed to his crimes. Unfortunately, Hatcher didn't confess until after he'd taken one more life. And this was not that long after Eric was killed. Um, 11-year-old Michelle Steele had been beaten and strangled and left alongside the bank of the Missouri River after Hatcher had lured her away from town with the promise of candy. She, um, apparently what had happened is she told her mom she was able to walk to her dentist appointment on her own, and she did that, and she left, and the appointment had gone really well. She had no cavities. She was was very excited, and Hatcher saw her, saw her leaving the dentist, asked how it went, and when she said he had no cavities, he was like, that is such a good job. Let's get some candy to celebrate, and she went with him, and he took her to his car, and she tried say, no, this isn't a good, I don't think I should do this, but he was like, no, I'm just going to take you to the best candy shop there is. And then he drove her to the bluffs, and people saw them together. Like, hikers saw them, but it, it wasn't enough to, uh, to save her, unfortunately. Um, hikers found her body the day after she first went missing. Uh, this happened roughly two months after Hatcher had kidnapped and murdered Eric. Um, so to have two child murders in a somewhat small town. Yeah. Ugh. And but obviously Melvin was in prison, so he was, and apparently that didn't help him. They did. I mean, it just kind of went with, with the amount of blah, with the way trial times fell. Like mm-hmm. they couldn't necessarily just release him because he'd already been convicted. Right. So they still had to get Hatchers, all of that stuff done. But it's still just okay. like. So what's the timeline? So Hatcher murders a uh, Michelle, but then when does he confess? So, Hatcher was arrested the day after Michelle was found. Oh. He was convicted for her murder in 1983 and was sentenced to life. Hatcher requested the death sentence, um, even going so far as to confess to 16 other murders. But like I mentioned earlier, only I think it was three or four of those, which are the ones we discussed, could be substantiated. So everything else he might have done or he was just desperate to be given the death penalty. He wanted the death penalty. But his request for death was refused, leading Hatcher potentially to take matters into his own hands. Uh, He hung himself in his jail cell four days later, 
and was officially declared dead on December 3rd, 1984. I didn't see this, but Kayla said she read an article that said that his hands were tied behind his back when he was found hung. Which you, then he wouldn't have been able to hang hang himself. himself. Right. It's it's interesting, because it does seem like he wanted to die, but he also, who knows with him, because he's so good at getting out of prison and escaping. Maybe he thought he could have gotten out, or maybe... When he was back at Missouri State Penitentiary mm-hmm. in Jeff City, right? Yep. Jefferson City. So, you know, maybe, because he was in his jail cell, so you'd think it, it would have had to have been a guard. Maybe this is somebody who knew him from previous. Because he's been in and out so much. Yeah. Or they also just, they say, you know, like, prison, they do not like child molesters no. and child killers, so. And he was, <clears> um, <throat> I mean, honestly, if people killed him, oh well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that. I don't, I don't see a problem with that. I do feel like they were denying him the death sentence to punish him because that's what he wanted. I, I would kind of take it that that's why. Because I think Missouri has a death penalty. It's <laughs> Yeah, which I do get that point. As long as he... And he was sentenced <laughs> to life and he had... I think it was 50 years to parole. And by that time, like, that was regardless. That was a death sentence for him. Like, if he yeah. had 50 additional years before he could even ask for um, a resentencing. Like, I mean... I don't know quite how old he... I think he was in his 50s by then anyways. I mean, at least, thank God, he confessed, because who knows how much longer Melvin... What's his with Melvin Reynolds? Reynolds, yeah. How much longer he would have been right. wrongly yeah, imprisoned. Yeah, four years after, after they literally just warmed up. Like just that, the amount of times that that happens is just so frustrating. And it didn't even take... What, it was like a two-month period, because, yeah, two-month period, because Hatcher was arrested the day after he killed Michelle. Now, was he arrested because someone saw, like, because they saw him with Michelle? Or, I think I had read somewhere, like, he tried to turn himself into the St. Joseph Mental Hospital Mm -hmm. and was, like, confessing? Is that... Yeah, I believe that's what happened. Okay. Um, Which is, like, I feel like he did that a lot, so I'm very curious, like, how much of his mental health was he exaggerating, or how much... Or is it multiple personality type thing, or... Like, he said multiple times that he was hearing voices, and... If, like you said, if he was late onset schizophrenia, onset schizophrenia, like I don't know, but it's just tragic. Yeah, it goes back to the wanting to explain something that's just horrible, and maybe there isn't an explanation other than it's just a really bad person. Yep. But that that is the story of Crazy Charlie. So yeah, so let us know if you kind of yeah, you liked, liked us talking about true crime, or I know I love talking about true crime, but. I mean, we're still going to be a paranormal podcast, so. Right. But, you know, we got to expand. Sometimes they sometimes they overlap. Like, I think that's why this episode, there's there's a lot of overlap between the hauntings and the urban legend and the freaking serial killer. Like, that's, yeah, there's a lot of connections. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to be glad to be done talking about this guy. I, yeah, I know. I felt like when I first saw this and I sent it to Emily, I was like, we do not have to talk about this, but because it's children. But but it's also something that I think this case in particular and cases like this are good to talk about because these should be things that you learn lessons from and be like, if somebody is having this pattern of behavior. And literally asking for help, too. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I have to believe that that was genuine at some point, at least. Because yeah. at the very beginning, when he first asked for help, 
I don't really think he would have benefited un- any other way than getting mental health help. Yeah, even if he was exaggerating, what's the... Who cares? Like, right, like he could have actually <laughs> been afraid of these impulses he was getting, but then yeah. he got away with it. So and then those impulses took over more and more. That's what. That's kind of what I feel from that, but yeah. maybe I'd have to do more research to be like, no, never mind. I mean, obviously it doesn't forgive anything he did, no. and I still feel like he deserved what he got, but maybe... Maybe it could have been avoided is more of the point. Yeah. Which, well, I guess. We see that's going to happen. It happens again plenty of times with other criminals, so. Yeah. (sighs) That's it. That's all I got. That's all I got. Well, that's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Um, I was like, how do we end this? I know. How do we end this? Yeah, we got so. Do we have any funny stories to end this on? (sighs) Funny stories. Funny stories. It's New Year's Eve. It is. Um, So, Uh, yeah. That's so, you know, thanks for listening to our, and for the, I don't know, the support of our podcast in 2022. Yes, thank you. We, um, We've got big goals for 2023. We do. We're going to try to do a little, like, mini vision board powwow. Yes. Before the end of the year. Figure out what we're going to do with our lives. <laughs> um, oh, I know. We could play... In our true fashion for our podcast, we had a lot of technical issues when we were setting up, um, and it took us a long time to get everything working again, and we recorded our moment of victory, and it is glorious, and I think glorious that is how we should end this episode. End that way, yes, because it's glorious because we might have had a uh, filter <laughs> on our voices. It's amazing. <laughs> do we have any of like our important shout-outs that we have to do? Like, find us on... Oh, that's true. Um, Our Instagram is at RemnantsPod, and that's where we'll, you know, we post pictures and, um, you know, video as we're trying to get better about videoing ourselves. Yeah. Um, Please leave us a review. Um, Thank you to Chris for giving us a review on Apple, because that... um, you know, we don't want false praise, but... um, (laughs) Or do we? I do. But that's how people are going to find us, is if you guys could just... We would so appreciate it if you can just mm-hmm. take the time to write a little bit about us, especially on Apple, because I think I've, like, read some stuff that kind of bear, which makes sense, that kind of bury, there's so many podcasts out there. So until you start having more ratings and reviews, then they kind of unbury you. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's, that's, like, stressful. Like, oh, my God, we're so buried. We're so buried. Please leave us reviews. Yeah, so people can find us. All right. Well, I guess with that, that is... That is our episode. Yep. Cheers to the new year. Woo woo. I'm not gonna get too excited about it, but you know, just not gonna let it. I'm not gonna let it see that I'm weak and excited. Like the new. Fake year. it till you make the it. The new year can sense your fear. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, here is our fun little victory recording. Yes. Enjoy. Hello.